If you have your Bible, this is our Bible decree. Let's say it together. Let's claim it. This is my Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Hallelujah. I hope that this week that you were able to hide his word in your heart that you will not sin against him. So today, church, I'm starting this series called Word of God Speak. And as I start this series, I'm going to talk about a man who who was in a crossroads in his life, couldn't figure out, you know, what was going on. This was the God that told him that he he was going to uh, have nations that were going to be blessed after him. And they prayed for a child. And Sarah, in her old age, she ended up becoming with child, as the King James Version says. I do love the King James Version. I'm 49 years old. And at 49 years old, I do use the King James Version often. And I do use the NLT, and I do things to, what, to express. But I will tell you that she was with child, and God blessed that child. And they gave both her and Abraham a wonderful, wonderful son. They cried out to God, and God answered their prayer in old age. God made a way in their life when they felt all hope was lost. Before I go into the message today, I guess I'm kind of stirred within my spirit. Brother Rust asked me, he goes, Pastor, are you okay today? And I said, well, let me put it to you like this. I said, a couple things going on. I said, any time that you take the Word of God and you're trying to express who God is, I think it's a very serious matter by which I woke up this morning. I spent a long time on the deck last night. I told my wife, I said, I'm going to go ahead. It's okay. Life gets better. Wait till you're an adult. And, uh, so as I went on that walk, I said, I said, you know, I, I, I just felt that I needed to spend some alone time with God. So I, I put on a message from, from a very quiet and submissive and very somber and soft-spoken pastor, T.D. Jakes. He's not so soft-spoken now, is he? So I walked through my neighborhood and it was dark out and I took my umbrella with me because there's coyotes all over Talmadge now that I just, I mean, a couple times this summer, I've looked out the back window, I'm like, what's running through there? There goes a coyote. So I figured, you know what, when the devil starts coming after me like a coyote, I'd beat him down with an umbrella. So I took some time. <laughs> I took some time. And uh, I'd probably run for my life. And, uh, but I decided to take some time. And what was real cool was that when I got out there, one of my thoughts was this. That when we walk and we're walking where God wants us, that we start to see the hand of God in our life. Many of us take detours and we go our own direction and we don't follow the GPS because we have things going in our own life in our own way that we want to take care of on our own, not by the way that God wants it for us. And I'm here to tell you that if you do that, you're headed down the wrong road. But if you will just stop and realize that God has your best interest at heart, you will go down a road and he will take you on a journey that will be beautiful may not be as beautiful as you think it is, but it's beautiful for him. And the end result is you will get to paradise one day. And once you end up at the end of that journey and you start to see God work in your life, then things will start to change. And as I was just veering right out of my, my driveway, I heard him say in this message, get to walking. Like what? I just, you know, I put one on. I don't know what he was going to say. But right at that moment, and I thought to myself, wow. Where did God speak? And we, we know the text. We know that we say it every week when we come in here. This is my Bible, God's holy word. I'll make a lamp into my feet, light into my path. I will hide his words in my heart that I won't sin against him. Because we want to walk in truth. We want to walk in the spirit. Am I the only one that wants to walk in the spirit in this room? Or you, you want to walk in the spirit as well? Amen. You know, church, this is our 14 years, and I know we celebrated it a couple weeks ago, and, and as I was reflecting and walking around that neighborhood, my thought was, you know, God, how you've shown up when I thought you deserted me. 
how you were there when I felt like I was all alone. How you were there when I felt probably I was at the lowest of my life and I wanted to give up and say, it's just not worth it to me. But church, I'm here to tell you, and I declare over your life, that if you are alone, you are in a good, good place. Because that's where God starts to work all things out for your good. And victory is right around the corner. You see, it's different when mommy and daddy are there. It's different when Bubby and Sissy are there. It's different when all your friends are gathering around you because you're not crying out to anybody. You're doing all the talking and none of the listening. But when you're by yourself, you get to listen to what God has to say and you stop all of this. Amen? Kind of reminds me, and I'll go into this. Just think about this. There, there was. Do you guys remember who E.F. Hutton was? I love it. I don't know who he is. Here, let me say this. How many in the room remember EF Hutt? You have to talk like this and really be like this. Anyhow, 1967 he passed away and he was actually a broker. And it was really funny because this was his advertisement and it goes like this. Now that looks like a very interesting situation. My broker is really enthusiastic about it. What does your broker say? Well, my broker is E.F. Hutton, and E.F. Hutton says... Now think about it. They're on a plane. When E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. When E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. Now watch this. So here we are. Now we're in a restaurant, and the same thing. Things are going on, and watch what happens. I the purchase of a good stock. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, my broker says it's a real good buy. What does your broker say? Well, my broker's E.F. Hutton, and Hutton says... When E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. So, so you know, I thought this was really interesting, so I thought, you know what, i got to do something else here. If E.F. Hutton talks, people listen, does it apply to children? Well, let's find out. All right, children. Who's going to be the first one to recite the alphabet? How about you, Anne? A, B, C, D, E, F, E, F, E, F, Hutton. When E, F, Hutton talks, people listen. Okay, so I know that's a little funny. But, but here's what I'm trying to, to, to drive home for all of you. Here's the grand slam. Why is it that when God talks, people don't stop and they don't listen? Why is it that when God is trying to get a hold of you, you're doing all the talking and none of the listening? Why is it that that old, old nasty sound, I don't know how many of you guys have a GPS in your car or a GPS that you put on your dash, and everybody says, you know, they give her a name. I don't know what name you name your GPS you know, but she's always annoying. And the one thing that I find out about a GPS is just this. She's there to get you to the point of destination that you plugged in, right? But why is it that in the midst of all of it, I want the GPS to say things like this. Good job, Todd. You're heading in the right direction. Let me give you a round of applause. Thank God you're going in the right direction. Okay, when you go up here and you make a left-hand turn... It tells you exactly where you're going, right? But why in between don't we hear that a boy? Why in between on that GPS do not we didn't we don't hear well done, thou good and faithful servant? Because I tell you this is how it is with God. When he starts to speak, all of a sudden we may not hear all of what else is going on with God because we have too much noise going on in this head of ours. You see, I want to have a church and a community of people that say, oh, I heard the voice of God. I heard God speak today. And as I said earlier, today begins a series of messages entitled Word of God Speak. And we'll be looking at some specific names and some specific instances when God spoke to people in the Old Testament. So I want you to, if you would, please take your Bible, Revelation chapter 3, verse 22. If you have a Bible app, turn on your phone. You can follow along there as well. And today I am going to use the King James Version because I like what it has to say here. And so just follow along with me because 
It says, look what he said to them. We're going to start off the service just like this because I'm going to proclaim the truth and I want you to embrace it. And here's what it says in verse 22. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the... Revelation chapter 3 verse 22. I'll wait till everybody's there. Oh, we are... And here's what he said, because I only thought I heard two people say churches. Let's see how, let's work this through here. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit has to say unto the Great job. So we look at what he said to them and look at what their response was. Revelation 2, chapter 2, verse 29. Revelation chapter 2, verse 29. And let's read together. I know this will throw you off. But listen closely. You may not have heard this before, but I'm going to repeat it to you again. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the... Well done. And look at the application to our lives today. Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. Revelation 2, 7. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of... The paradise of God. In this series, we're going to wrestle with some questions about our walk with God. Does God still speak to us today? How does God speak to us today? And how can we know that it is God speaking to us? People will ask me that question often, and that question is just that. You know, I don't know, is it the voice of reason that's going through? Is it God? I said, let's not question and if you know it's righteous and you know it's pure and you know it's all those things that the Beatitudes exhibits in the Word, then what I would probably say to you, listen, listen, listen very, very close. The Old Testament character that we'll look at today is Abraham. So the question is, what do we know about Abraham? One thing we know for sure, God spoke to Abraham. Aside from Moses, no other old-time character is mentioned more in the New Testament than Abraham. And I like what it says in James chapter 2, verse 23. James called him a friend of God. All believers are known as children of Abraham, which is found in Galatians chapter 3, verse 7. God made a great promise to Abraham when he called him to follow him. You know, that song today was, I have decided to follow Jesus because Christ is enough for me. And in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, here's what it reads. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Verse 3 says, I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And the thing that identified Abraham the most was the depth of his faith. The writer of Hebrews wrote about him when he said, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as what? It says, you'll receive it as an inheritance. He obeyed and he went. And even though he did not know where he was going, that's in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8. That's what we are going to see on display today in our study. Abraham's faith when God speaks to him. So if you would please take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. This is an amazing, heart-wrenching story of faith and obedience. Isaac was Abraham and Sarah's son, a miracle child born to them when Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah was 90. And I'm tired even saying that. 100 years old. I was talking to my neighbor yesterday. Then he said, you know, it's amazing. I saw that all of your kids, as you could tell, it's empty down here. I only have just a couple kids. There's, uh, they're all down at Disney this week enjoying their last hurrah before one of them gets married here May 30th. So they planned it a couple months ago and said, let's all go as sisters. And even though uh, Gabe and, and Travis are with them, I said, somebody's got to go to protect all you girls. That's not true. But anyhow, they've had a great time. Please keep Lindsay in your prayers. I was up at 4 a.m. this morning as she texted mom and said, uh, my stomach's killing me. Uh, Lindsay deals with, she's lactose intolerant, 
then she has a little bit of an irritable bowel and a little bit of anxiety. So all this stuff compiled together. And she's our youngest. She's 18 years old. And when she gets to places like that, so she woke up. And so I told her, I said, I'm going to go ahead and go to my prayer closet. And I'm going to go to God on your behalf. So I talked to her for a little bit on the phone. And then we talked to her this morning. And her stomach still hurts. And I said, tell me where it's at and what you're going through and all that kind of stuff. Because if not, I want you to go to the hospital and get it checked out. So please be in prayer for her as... Um, they are at Magic Kingdom today and they fly home tomorrow. But it's great to know that the girls can be together. And I love that dynamic of life. I love that they're older. So my neighbor next door, who's 49 years old, he just had a baby this year. He walks over and he says, oh, I saw on Facebook that your kids are at Disney. I go, yeah. He goes, man, what's it like to have, an, have all the kids moving out and they're gone? And I go, man, it's the greatest thing ever happened to me. Other than marry my wife. She's not in this building. You tell her I will come and hunt you down. And I will pray that you get that stomach ache that my daughter has. Just kidding. And, uh, but, you know, it really is great. People are like, I just hate when my baby leaves the house. When your baby leaves the house, they never leave. They'll always be a part of your life. Are you kidding me? They keep coming back. And you know what my wife said? She goes, you know, this is kind of nice. They're all out of the state at the same time because we get literally this is our house. And I know this is an advertisement it has nothing to do with my message right now, but I am getting there. You guys know how I am. So anyhow, I said, she goes, you know what? What's crazy? One walks out the door and the other day I'm like, oh, this is great. Beck's leaving. Everybody, I get to be at home by myself for an hour and a half. Who's my wife talking to? And I love. Out by the foyer, looked out that door. I'm like, are you kidding me? Why is Caitlin here? Wow, I thought she moved out years ago. Hi, Dad. I'm doing my laundry. Okay, that's great. Come on in, honey. Lindsay comes home. I was just going to run through the house screaming and rejoicing and celebrating and having a good old time. But, you know, that's what I was telling my neighbor. I said, you know, he goes, yeah, I know that we're the same age. Matter of fact, you're one month older than I am. And he said, it's just weird that, that I'm just now starting this life. They have a two-year-old and this newborn. And I'm not Catholic, but I was like, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, brother, Lord, have Jesus all over you because you'll be really old. I said, when those kids are old. So then I saw the story of Abraham and Sarah, and that was the first thing I said, which I'm just joking. I, hey, whenever God gives, gives kids and gives increase, praise God, I don't care how old you are, you take care of that baby, how God entrusted you with that baby. And that's what I told Jim too. So. But they, they were in their old age, so never give up. God hears your prayers. But you know what I've learned from the story of Abraham and Sarah is that God, God answers prayer in his time. God knows what he's doing in his time. And as, as we, we start to move forward and, and we get into the text here, one thing I want you to see is that um, in this text, Isaac's name actually means laughter. That's what Sarah did when the Lord told Abraham that he and Sarah would have a child in their old age. Watch what it says in Genesis 18. I'll just read it. You don't have to turn there because I know my main text is going to be 22. But Sarah laughed silently to herself and said, how could a worn out woman like me enjoy pleasures, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year and Sarah will have a son. And when Isaac was born, here's what Sarah proclaimed. God has brought me laughter. All who hear about this will laugh with me. For who would have dreamt or dreamed that I would ever have a baby? Yet I have given Abraham a son in his old age. Genesis 21, 6 through 7. This would be a moment of great testing for Abraham. A moment of decision that we call a crisis of belief. A turning point experience in which we have to decide what we believe about God and act on it. Do we really believe that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do? You hear what I'm saying? Do we really believe that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do? Let us read together. Genesis chapter 22. I'm going to take my glasses off because that's a sign of old age too. I do not have bifocals, but I cannot see and my eyes go crossed. So I want to stay in this text and I want you to embrace what God has to say in an amazing story of his love and redemptive power and miracles take place and faith is increased in this story. And it says here in verse 2, so we'll start Genesis chapter 22, 
verse 2. And he said, Take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass. See, that's what happens when you read the King James Version. And took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went into the place of which God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again. Okay, I'm just going to stop right there because I'm going to break this down for you. Think about this in your own life. Here's what happened. God starts to speak to Abraham. And he tells Abraham to go get a couple people with you. Gather them together and take your son Isaac, the one that I gifted you with. Your son, meaning laughter, so when you hear the word laughter, you automatically think joy, right? So your only son, whom you're going to sacrifice for me. Now, you have to understand that when I started off the service, I made the comment, and here's what I said, that Abraham was what he was a friend of? God. Amazing. Now, how many of you would say that I'm a friend of God in here? All of us want to be in a place where we know first, first and foremost that we are his friend and that we're his child. Second of all, we want to say that we listen to the voice of God. And when he starts to speak to us, we move because God is real. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's everywhere all the time. He sits on the throne. He reigns from his throne and we have the Holy Spirit that bears witness and intercedes on our behalf. And Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of the Father. And we realize that we know who we are when we come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That now our faith starts to increase. But our faith will never increase unless we listen to what God has to say to us. So the Word of God started to speak. And in this text, I like what he says, go to that mountain. Don't you hate when people give you directions? And the directions kind of go like this. Well, here's how I want you to go. You go to down this way down the hauler. And when you get down to the end of the hauler, I want you to make a right. You go around that creek. And when you get to the end of the creek, you'll go over that little rock that's right there. And then there's a bridge. And then once you get to the bridge, you'll see that little mountain right over there. Go around that mountain. And then you'll see that outhouse. And you'll jump through the outhouse. And then you'll go around this crooked river here. Why do people do that? I kind of like it like this. Hey, here's how you get there. You go up about a mile, and right there is McDonald's. You make a right, that's called, you know, Southeast Avenue. Then you make a left, and you're on 91. That kind of makes, makes it real easy for me. But when it comes to God, this is what he says. Well, here's how I want you to take it. I want you to go down around that river over here, go around the creek, up through there, jump through that outhouse, and go up that side of that mountain. And I think that's exactly what he was saying to Abraham but did you guys notice what he said? He didn't say, go over there specifically. He said, here's where I want you to go. Here's what I want you to do. And so what we start to notice in this text is that Abraham was obedient. He didn't ask, how do I get there? He says, here I go. Now, I don't know if you guys know this, but Isaac wasn't a little boy. Isaac was a grown man. What is interesting to me in this text is that many of us all think in our mind that he's just this little boy and daddy's taking him up there to sacrifice him. But there's actually a story behind this story. And you've heard me say, when you open up the word of God and it becomes three-dimensional, you start to realize what God is doing, that Isaac was also obedient unto the father. He was obedient unto God. That is so cool to me. Let me ask you a question. Hi, today you're going to be sacrificed. How obedient and willing would you be knowing that you would be burnt at a stake or burnt at a spit, knowing that you would be turned and that you would be flamed to a crisp because it was all for God Almighty. But here's what Abraham did. And so we realize that he's a friend of God. And then we continue to keep going. It says in verse 6, And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac's 
Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb? And love what it says, Where is the goat for a burnt offering? So even though he was being obedient, he still asked the question, Where is the lamb that needs to be slain? Now, I'm not going to get into it today, but I want you guys to... To understand that the Old Testament, this story is actually reflective of the New Testament, showing that Jesus Christ came as a lamb and went to the cross for you and I. That's what this story is about. So there's a lot of similes and metaphors that are found actually in Genesis chapter 22 that we won't get into today. But what I want you to see is that how God starts to speak. It's a simple story, but with great meaning. Verse 8, it says, And Abraham said, My son... God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told of him. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. The angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad. Neither do anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. Behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son, in place of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. It is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. The word Jehovah-Jireh means the Lord will provide. Verse 15, And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of the heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, says the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and you have not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless you, and in multiplying I will multiply your seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned unto his young men, and they rose up and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. He speaks through his word. Isaiah 55:11 says this. So my word that comes from my mouth will not return unto me empty, but it will accomplish what I please and will prosper and wherever I send it. He speaks through circumstances. So we, we realize that even here today, God does speak. He always speaks to us. And we ask, how are we obedient to that? What do I need to do in order for him to speak to me? Number one, you must be saved. Two, you must follow through Believer's baptism, walk in the spirit, understand that everything I do, I do for him. Not the song, everything I do, I do for Christ. And so we see this text play out. And the cool part about this text is that even in these circumstances, God always speaks. When you're at your lowest, if you're not in the word, you cannot get clarity of where you're going. And it's very clear. If you don't know how to get from here to Cleveland, and you have to plug it in the GPS, she will get you there or whatever voice you choose. It's the same thing in our Christian life. We must use the Word of God as a compass, as a light unto our path, so that He can direct every step that we take. We have to continue to walk His direction. Walk in the Spirit. That doesn't mean that we play games with the Lord. He speaks through His Word. He speaks through His circumstances, good and bad. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7 says, So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show you that your faith is genuine. That your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Through your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you so much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. 
God not only uses the destination, he uses the journey. God not only uses the destination, he uses the journey. Teaching you along the way. Here we were. 14 years ago. Here's our story. A couple people came to me and says, Pastor Todd, you, you are our, our kids' youth pastor. We want you to, to start a church. I said, you're out of your ever-loving mind. Right, Holly? That's what you said to me. Just kidding. She didn't. Don't attack her after the service. Yeah. But she was around. She was one of our youth. Now she's older and mature and has children of her own. And, uh, but it's always great to have Holly with us. It is. Did I just put you on the spot? You know how I am. Hi, everybody. And, yeah. So we're at Riverside Drive. Somebody said, you'll never be able to move into the YMCA. I said, oh, but you know who is faithful when we cry out to him. We moved into the YMCA. They said, you'll never get into the Court Cultural Center on Grant Street. I said, oh, but our God is faithful. He will provide. And so we went from there. And we went to Riverside Drive. Only been in the, in the ministry for six months. And they said, oh, you can't buy a church. Every bank, one bank after the other said, you've only been around six. So how much money you got in the bank? I said, $780. The one banker said to me, oh, that'll never happen. I said, oh, excuse me, stop. Eat. Time out. Do you know who I am? I'm a child of the Most High God. I'm a winner. I'm not a whiner. I'm a victor, not a victim. I have found favor with the Lord. What are you telling me? Man, I almost went postal. I was like, brother, you got to settle down. So I wrote a letter. I can hear the organ in the background. Anyhow. And so I, I, I went ahead and went to, the, uh, I went to the, the owners of the church. And I said, I'd like to make an appeal. And here was the appeal. May you find us in your favor as you accept this offer that our church would like to give you. Can we please do a land contract? And many of you know the story. The pastor said when he got it, he said that paper was already anointed. Pastor Rick told me. Never knew the man. He said, I knew it was anointed. They said, oh, the, the realtor said, here's the paper. He said, I don't need to see that paper. They're in that building. I don't know who these people are, but God will provide. So here, here's what started to happen. Then from that, that point, God said, wait a minute. You know what? This building's just, it doesn't meet your needs. Now, hold on a minute. I said all that to tell you this. Now, now watch this play out. I was so excited. I'm like, the Lord knows we need to move to Talmadge. So God gave us this building. We fixed it up. I mean, church, you worked hard to make that, that building beautiful. It was amazing. And when I say that, it was, it was just a gorgeous church. It was the church on the gorge. They put barn doors in, and we made it very uh, contemporary and, and modern. And, and we were able to start an Nepali church in that building, so it was great. So we used it for mission outreach as well for the North Hill area because we were located in North Akron. And so from that place, you know, I, I was like, but we're, we've run out of room. There's nowhere for us to go. 37 spots. You can't park everybody. People are parking in the grass or parking on the road. We're not going to grow for in this building. And so I said, well, we've got to keep looking. Well, people laughed at me because this used to be me in Kaga Falls. I was on the riverfront. I'm like, I am not staying in the YMCA. We're not going to bring out those chairs every week. I am not going to pull that tarp across the floor. And that was back in the days when I was really conservative and wore a suit every Sunday. <gasps> Thank you, Jesus. You've delivered me. Anyhow, <sighs> I love suits, but I'm just telling you all, this is much more comfortable and because I'm in menopause, it's, I have to wear short sleeve shirts. Anyhow, back to the story. So then we'd have to pull tarps across the, across the gym floor. And I was like, over it. We were done. All those things. So even then, I, I was walking in Kaga Falls, and this was me. Dear Lord, I know there's a spot here for us somewhere. And I'll never forget one of the board members. They said to me, Pastor, what are you doing? I said, what do you mean, what am I doing? I said, God has something bigger for us. I am not staying in the YMCA forever. That last church that was in there for seven years, I don't have time for that. Jesus is coming back. Souls be, need to be saved and lives need to be changed. We need to get out of here. So as I was pacing the riverfront, I'm like, oh, there's a movie theater there. So I went to the to, to city council, went to the mayor, met all of them. Hi, can we move into the... He goes, you don't want to move in that movie theater. I go, why not? He goes, because it's deserted. Community of believers took the the 
theater chairs in there. You do not want to move in there. I go, yeah, but I do. He's like, no, you don't. So I went there and looked at it. No, I don't want to move in there. Anyhow, when you only have $700 in your bank account, you know, you, you start to think logically when half the time I don't think logically. I know some of you are shocked when I just said that, but that's how it is. I live by faith. But neither did Abraham. Abraham wasn't thinking logically. He said, I'm, I'm thinking out of faith and obedience. I'm going to do what I have to do because God already spoke to me. And he already promised me that everything and everybody after me, nations will be blessed. Wow, that's a great promise, isn't it? Well, I remember that day, church, and I'll demonstrate. I remember that day, I was down on my knees in Ravenna, Ohio, and I have a cleaning company, and I was just crying out to God. Oh, God, what? I don't know that I can do this. I don't know. Am I the guy for this job? I'm, God, I can't do this, and I'm just weeping. And, and finally, the Holy Spirit came upon me, and, and listen. This is in a professional business place. For many of you who have heard the story, I'm so glad nobody came in because they'd have thought, oh, that poor cleaning guy's lost his mind. He's on the floor in the hallway. They'd have called 911. But you know what Jesus did right then when I said, here am I, God, use me. I will be obedient no matter where you take me. He lifted me off that ground, and I've never been the same since. And I started walking, and because I walked, I knew where the prize was at. And I walked that riverfront. I walked up and down, and even though those doors closed, I just kept walking. And God provided Grant Street, and then he provided Riverside Drive. And there was a time when all of a sudden things, even though I kept walking, I said, we can't be on Riverside Drive. So about four years ago, five years ago, I said, there is a dealership on Talmadge Avenue, uh, West Talmadge that is now by right. I said, man, look at that place. We can have venues here. It's amazing. Two lanes this way, two lanes that way. We can have Big Daddy Weave, Mercy Me. We can do all kinds of concerts in that place. I have a vision. Amen. I just kept going and going and going. And then all of a sudden, this scary thing happened in my life. It was overwhelming. A deacon came to me with a trustee, and here's what they said. We went and prayed over the door and said, God, close the doors. And at first I was like, what are you talking about, Willis? And he said to me, I prayed that we wouldn't move. I go, well, that's awfully selfish. Where's your vision? You know, the Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. Well, I kind of walked away. I was a little bit discouraged. I was really, I mean, I was disappointed. I thought, I thought we were all on the same page. Everybody's like, yeah, let's go over there, check it out. I mean, the building was only $690,000. I didn't even have $100,000 to give them. But I love doing big things for a big God that knows how to provide all my needs according to his riches and glory. Amen? Hey, he says, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in me, believe also in me. My father's house are many mansions. We're not so I'd have told you. He said, I have mansions. And if he has streets of gold and Gates of Pearl, oh, he has $690,000, and I knew that. See, when you start to limit God and you think that he can't do it, oh, let him do the impossible. He'll make it possible. Let God start to do something in your life, and you'll start to see your faith increase in ways you never thought it would ever happen. I mean it. But you can't do it unless you take that state, step of faith. Faith without works is what? Dead. So you've got to walk in it. You've got to live in it. Oh, my goodness, and where's the time going? Whew. Okay, I'm going to hurry up and do this, all right? So as I say all this, I'm going to tell you this. I was discouraged. But then the Lord revealed something to me on my walk last night. And here's what he said. Oh, my son, don't you see what I've done for you? Listen, this is the truth. When you thought they were praying against you, I was for you. Did you realize if God be for us, what's the next part say? Who can be against us? I want you to say who. Who? Who can be against us? God's already for me. Why did I start getting discouraged? And then he said this. Watch this, Todd. He said, what did Abraham do? He told those guys that had those donkeys. He said, you guys can't go up there with me. Leave them behind. I got all excited. I used to mourn over people that, that left me. I'm like... Like a funeral, they left me, and I just stand. I mean, I poured my life into them. Well, that was the same guy, right, Annie, that put his hands on the doors and said, Lord, close that door. Well, guess what? I'm going to teach you a real simple principle. In this text, 
we start to realize that when he lifted that knife for that sacrifice, that was a measure of commitment, of love, of obedience, of faith, right before our eyes. And the angel of Almighty God spoke and said, Abraham, Abraham, stop what you're doing. Look behind you. There's a ram in the thicket. You don't have to sacrifice your son. Because watch, I'm not even done. Because on the other side of that mountain, as you were traveling up, I was providing provision for your life. Guess what? It's the same thing in your life. When you think you're traveling alone and you're all by yourself and nobody's with you, I want you to know that God's for you. And on the other other side of that mountain up comes that ram and when you get to the top and it starts to take place in your life you'll start to see reward provision is there and god is there to bless that's where we miss it it was a long hard journey that abraham was doing as he was climbing that mountain he was by himself had his son he knew what he was going to do and yet god in his love And in his mercy, came through at a time and said, guess what? I'll provide a way for you and I'll provide 226 Southeast Avenue in Talmadge, Ohio. Not just an acre and a half in some old dumpy dealership that you want for $690,000. I will show you provision for $125,000 with 10 acres of parsonage in a beautiful building with beautiful people. Woo! (laughs) that's the ram. So when you start to think that God is not working, He's working. You ready for this? I haven't even told our officers. He speaks through prayer. Prayer is a relationship. I'm getting to it. Not just a religious activity. It's a time of two-way communication with God. Of all creation, we speak, He listens. He speaks, we listen and obey. This is a good reason to keep a spiritual journal, to write down what God is saying to you as you pray. God is taking your test to train your ear if you will listen. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. Wow. 4 a.m. this morning, I went in there and I closed my door. And I bowed and I said, oh God, my daughter needs you. So I'm just going to sit here right now. In the quietness of this morning. And I don't know what she's going through, but God, right now, I'm just going to be quiet. Would you speak to me? And so in that closet, in the quietness of my bedroom, I sat silent. God started showing provision when Abraham was quiet. With that procession of his son. And he knew what he was going to do. Here's our point. God will never tell you something that is outside of a contradictory to his written word. And that's how you know that God is speaking to you. So nail it down. God still speaks to us today. Believe it, stand on it, act on it. And John 8:47 says this, whoever is of God hears the word of God. The reason we the reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. When God speaks things happen. Genesis 1:3 says and God said, "Let there be light and there was light." Psalms 33:6-9 says, "The Lord created the heavens by his command, the sun, moon and stars by his spoken word and he and when he spoke the world was created." At His command, everything appeared. Significant things, stupendous things, soul-stirring things. When God speaks, it is a moment of faith. God tested Abraham. The question is, would he pass the test? And here's the crisis of faith. That turning point moment where we must decide that we truly believe about God and act on it. God had promised Abraham that Isaac would be the son through whom his descendants would come. That was his promise. So a week ago, I called Kevin Henry, and God just started speaking on my heart. And I I will tell a lot of you this. 
the Evangelical Congregational Convention has been the most gracious, kind people to us I've ever experienced. They have truly exemplified the love of Christ to me. Their heart has been wow. Well, I called and I left a message and it took Kevin a week to get back with me. So Friday goes, hey, Pastor Todd, this is Kevin. I haven't talked to you in a couple months ago. Kevin, what's going on with, with our land contract? I no longer want to be in the building. We, I mean, we're here. He goes, you know you always have the building. And for many of you who don't know, we still at this property, in this position, still the legal documents haven't been signed. I'm renting. I'm renting. We are renting for a dollar a month. Hallelujah. Our treasurer, Steve, he's over there cringing, going, oh, did Pastor really call him? We like, we like not. We, this money's going towards the money we, we sunk into this building. He's not thinking that, but I, you know, I just threw that out there. Because it's been a couple months. If they were about money, they would have contacted me by now, and they would have already had all that paperwork from the attorney in the mail on my desk for all of us to sign it as, as officers. I said, Kevin, here's what I was thinking. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but this is what I want to do. He goes, what's that? I said, I know that the agreement read that we would do a land contract for three years and that we would pay the church 934. I can't remember exactly all the, the details right now in front of me. I leave that up to Steve. And, uh, but, and it'll be at this interest rate. And at the very end, they would probably make about $139,000, $137,000. I think that's total with uh, the 4% interest. And I said, he goes, well, I'm glad you called because all the paperwork is done. It's at the attorney's office. I just need to get it so we can get this thing done for the land contract and you guys can move forward. I go, well, that was something I was thinking about. I said, you know, I was thinking, do you have a problem if we were to go to a bank and just give you the 125000 He goes, well, certainly, brother. And if I need to, I can call the attorney right now and have things changed so that you guys don't have to pay that extra interest. He goes, why pay us interest? As soon as you sign this paperwork, now you have to pay that interest, another $19,000, plus all the other, uh, the down payment, so on and so forth. He goes, let me know, have a meeting with your people. And I said, good, I'll be getting back with you in about 2021. And I uh, just kidding, I didn't say that. And, uh, and you know what he said? He, he said, do whatever you want to do. We're here. We're hearing great things. We know that the Lord is moving. I said, listen, we need a bigger fellowship hall. We need more classrooms. We need a pavilion. We got things to do. And I am 49 years old. And I said, Kevin, if all this takes place in the next five years, I'm going to be 54 years old. And after 54 comes 60. And after 60 comes 70. I said, my time is limited. We need to get things going here in Talmadge, Ohio. Right when I thought, you know what? God is done. I have faced some hardships in the ministry. You have faced some hardships in your Christian life. And so, church, I'm here to tell you that enjoy the journey. Enjoy the destination. Enjoy where you're going and what God's doing in your life. Because I'm here to tell you that even though you feel alone, and even though your finances might be upside down right now, and even though you're single and you don't have a girlfriend, you don't have a boyfriend, and you feel lonely and you feel abandoned, I want you to know that God is at work on your behalf to change things in the course of your life. Because guess what's happening? Right now you might feel lonely, you might feel desperate, you might feel vulnerable, but coming up that side of that mountain is provision, is blessing, and God wants to bless you. Would you receive that today? Let's all stand as we pray. Father God, we come before you today, Lord, with our hearts open wide, knowing that, Lord, we know that you're always at work on our behalf. And God, I've, I have seen a ministry of miracles. How do we get a million dollar property for 125000 Because you're involved. Because you're a part of it. Because, Lord, you want to show yourself real. God, it's not been easy. The moment when that deacon told me that he was not praying that we would move, I was discouraged. 
But now, God, I see much clearer that you were involved and you stopped the whole process because you gave us more than I could have ever imagined. So, God, I will follow you. And wherever you lead me, I will follow you. And even though the world is behind me, I know the cross is before me. And God, today there's so many in this room that need to understand that you're for them. You're not against them. That no matter whatever hurt, hang-up, or habit that they have, that there is freedom. God, we realize that sometimes we have to leave those we love in order to pick up the cross of Christ and follow you. God, I could have a room full of my family and they're not all here for one reason or another. But God, that's not going to stop me from serving you. And so God, help each and every one of us in this room to understand who we are, whose we are, and how to live a life that's totally surrendered and faith-filled in our walk. God, I ask you that today for those that you've already spoke to, those that have, have felt a sense of abandonment, of loneliness, God, I ask that you would just fill them up and know that what they're doing or maybe what they're going through isn't for nothing. Because God, we know that once they reach their destination, they will see that reward is there. So God, help us to stop, to be quiet, to listen, to act upon your voice, your prompting, and your leading. Thank you for showing us your friend who gives a clear direction of what it means to be totally surrendered. His name is Abraham. But Father God, thank you for your son Jesus Christ who gives us hope and who gives us life. God, today I ask that you would just be with us. Show yourself merciful to us today. In your holy name we pray.